So in 1 John 4.18, it says that love casts out fear. The love of the Father casts out fear. And that if you love, the, the love of the Father dwells within you. And um, I love the part in this song where it just talks about God's faithfulness. I've seen it in my life, and I believe that you guys have too. And sometimes I need to be reminded that maybe I can't do what I'm trying to do on my own. Maybe you need to be reminded of that too. That you needed to lean into the love of the Father. And so, man, I would love to sing the faithfulness of the Lord with you. And really sit in this time. And maybe that maybe there's a season right now that, that you need to believe that, but you, it's hard for you to believe it. But if we sing it together, I believe that we can we can remind each other of what's true. So sing that with me.
so glad that you're here this morning. Aren't you glad to be here? Let's thank our great God. What a great day it's so far. We're, we're thankful that you're here this morning. Today we have a privilege to have one of our missionaries with us. He's with New Tribes Missions out to the Dem Tribe. And uh, uh, we've been supporting him on our birthday gift to Jesus. We've been praying for him. And uh, 
today. He was, uh, their family was here. They were down with our children in the first hour. Second hour, they're going to be with Roger Metcalf's class down the hall. Um, I'm going to ask Jay and Brianna Stokes to come up and, and share a few words with us this morning. Would you welcome Jay and Brianna Stokes to the stage this morning? The last time they were here, oh, man, it's probably been six, seven years ago, I would bet, right? So, uh, all right, four years ago. All right, four years ago. Well, it seemed like forever. A lot has happened here in four years. A lot has happened here. But uh, we're glad you're here and welcome. So glad to see you, right? Glad to see all you kids. I know we got teenagers on our hands. Good welcome. Not yet, not yet. Teenage wife. That's cool, you know. All right, God bless. Let's welcome Jay and Brianna Stokes. Yeah, good morning. Uh, yeah, thanks for happening. Like Pastor said, a lot has changed in the four years that we've been here, since we've been here. Um, for those of you who don't know who we are and what we're doing, um, we are missionaries with New Tribes Mission. We left the field about nine years ago. Uh, we moved to the island of Indonesia. The island. Indonesia is full of thousands of islands. A island in Indonesia. We learned a national language. Then we moved to the island of Papua. Um, your natural thought when you hear Papua is probably think Papua New Guinea. Um, Papua New Guinea is its own country on the same island that we live in, but it's its own country. We are on the other side, the Indonesia side. So if you hear Papua Indonesia or Giddy and Jaya, that's where we live. That's where we reside. Um, I'm originally from Pittsburgh. I like hearing this uh, first R and the nice accents. I like it. I like it. It makes me feel at home. You know, I'm going to try to teach tribal people some, some Pittsburghese a little bit, but... Uh, but yeah, these are our, our kids. This is Eden, this is Noel, and Jericho. Jericho was born in Indonesia, and the other two were born in good old U.S. of A. Uh, she's 10. She'll be four next week, and he's seven. So, um, <laughs> um, so yeah, we moved to the island of Papua with the intent to be tribal church planners, um, to we wanted to move into an area that has never had access to the gospel, to an unreached people group. Uh, we moved into the tribe called the Dem tribe almost five years ago. We uh, did survey. The Dem have been asking for missionaries um, for about 40 years um, and never have had any access to any missionaries. No one has ever come. Their language is a completely unwritten, undocumented language. So, so learning that language has been a, a task to say that least. But uh, just this past year, I finished um, tribal language study. And so now our team, uh, our team consists of four families all together. So our team has started this year um, for the first time ever. Um, we developed a literacy class for them in their own language. My wife will share a little bit about literacy right now. Uh, right before we came back for furlough, we spent a few weeks making the primers and the homework and the um, teacher's guide and lessons for basically what is the preschool, kindergarten, and first grade classes in the Dem tribe for learning how to read and write. So they were really excited because most of them have never even held a pencil before. So they started their first literacy class a few weeks ago. Our coworkers who are there are doing that right now um, as we prepare the Bible lessons and the, translate the portions of Scripture that we're going to need for the teaching in the spring. So they're learning how to read and write so that when we translate the Word of God into their language, they'll be able to read the Bible for themselves. So it's a really exciting time. Uh, the literacy program is about four to five months long, so you can be praying that they'll be faithful about coming because then is the big Bible teaching, and we're really hoping they'll come to that. 
Yeah, so a lot of people might think, well, if you can speak the language, why don't you just present the gospel? Um, our Western minds can't quite comprehend or fathom uh, the spirit world in the sense that these tribal people, they're very animistic. There are hundreds of different spirits, uh, beliefs that cause nothing happens without something else causing it. And so for us to just say, this is Jesus, he was God's son, he died for you, do you believe that? They would say, yep, I believe that, but they would just add that to their list of spirits or things that they need to appease. So new tribes, we start from creation to Christ. Uh, starting in the beginning, that there was one God who's creator of all things. So not to say that that spirit you're afraid of is it real not real, it doesn't matter. There's one God who's above all that. And then we teach them select Bible stories of the Old Testament, all with this promised redeemer of there's man, there's sin, there has to be a punish, a payment for that sin, and then leading up to uh, Christ and his resurrection, and then it, it clicks. It, it has a more, um, the longevity of their belief, of their actual spiritual growth um, has made a big difference as far as uh, the way missions has done kind of in the past, but not to say it was done poorly, just just different. So, uh, yeah. um, so anyways, so now it's really exciting because Right now, the literacy class is going on, um, but at the same time, God's Word is being translated into the Dem language for the first time since the history of the world. So it's really cool. Um, and you guys being a part of that, have a part of that as, all, as well. Uh, Lord willing, in the spring will be the first time that we will start teaching in the Dem. We'll hear uh, the gospel for the first time ever in their own language. Um, so you can be praying for that, um, Lord willing, in the spring. So, uh, yeah, my daughter would like to say... Thank you very much. Uh, let's just thank God again for this family. What an incredible family, man. We so appreciate you stopping by today. They're going to head back now to Roger Metcalf's Sunday school class, and they'll be sharing their ministry in more detail there. I, I'll never forget, it was a few years ago, I had them, and I was teaching a young adult class downstairs, and, and they came, and uh, and I just saw, man, this was a young couple with energy, and they were going to go take their little baby. She was pregnant at the time, and uh, and, I, and I just, my heart was like going out. I'm like, you're going to take this newborn baby, and you're going to go over to the tribal people. You know, when God puts something on somebody's heart, and they go do it, isn't it beautiful? And that's what God did with them. He just, he just, he just wrestled their heart and got them to the point where he wanted them to go over and uh and now they're 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 translating a language that was never written before isn't that powerful and uh just the the the, uh what what god can do translate the bible into this new language so we're just so thankful for families like that and that we get to be a part of that just a few announcements this morning we uh have coming up today after the service is our next steps class if you'd like to learn about how to become a member of the church, join us. We're going to be in room A207, just down the hall here, across from the restroom. That'll start about 15 minutes after the service ends. We'd love to have you. We have a light lunch in there and uh, just be just a, a great time talking about how you can make this church your home. So if that's you, you're interested in that, please join us after the service today uh, for, for a short lunch and uh, a time of fun. Uh, also, uh, coming up in September, we have September 11th. That's a Wednesday night. We're going to have our fall kickoff to our Wednesday evenings. Uh, you'll see there's going to be Kona Ice up here. There's going to be hot.
hot dogs, all kind of fun stuff to kick that off. But we'll have stuff going on for the teenagers. Uh, the, our youth groups will be running. Our children's ministry, clubhouse kids will be running. So we have all the ministries will be running. We have an adults, uh, for adults, we'll have a men's group and a women's group and a few other potential opportunities that we're working on right now. But we want to encourage you to make Wednesday night uh, part of your schedule. Uh, one of the things that we believe in our church is that meeting together. You know, Sunday we come and we sit in rows, but the rest of the week we sit in circles. Whether it's in a life group in people's homes or on Wednesday night, we sit in circles. And what I mean by circles is that's the time whenever we get to talk about it. We get to take maybe it's some of the things that we're talking about in the weekends and we get to talk about it. And we, we get to help you along your spiritual journey. So it is so important. You know, in, in the New Testament, the early church met in, in the temple courts and they met house to house. They got in circles. So we're providing a few opportunities on Wednesday night as well as the other life groups that are out there. So be, I want you to be thinking about that. How can I get involved in a group? Where can I get involved in a group where I can just be in fellowship with other believers, where I can uh, be encouraged, where I can do life with other people? And as I'm building my house upon the rock, other people are going to come alongside of us and encourage us. So please find your place uh, at one of those groups this, uh, this coming up fall here and that's just a few weeks away i know we've got a few weeks left this summer people are kind of coming and going getting those last minute vacations i I couldn't believe whenever i heard that school was starting this week for for our local school districts you know some are starting tomorrow some are starting wednesday and thursday and as i said that in the first service man i had a couple parents just started clapping i never saw them so happy and uh you know i just want to encourage you as we ramp up and kick off a new season it's going to be an exciting season for the church praying for our kids and our teachers that are out there in the school district and just God is going to use them mightily out there and so we're just asking God to do great things in and through our church this season so mark your calendar Wednesday nights are coming up and life groups so this time I'd like to invite our ushers to come forward we'll receive our evening our morning offering evening I must have been up here a long day already right morning offering Uh, this morning we uh, one of the other announcements coming up Ladies, look in the bulletin. You'll see information about the women's retreat coming up in October. Please, we want you to go to that. It is a great time to get away with the women of the church and come back refreshed. So please uh, look to that and begin to sign up for that. All right? This morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we give to him. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we have just sung about your great name. Now, Lord, as we give to you, we prove your name is great. As we honor you by giving, you said to give to you the first fruits. And so, Lord, whenever we do that, when we honor you and we give you that first, Lord, it belongs to you. We say your name is great. So this morning, this whole hour is about you, Lord. Your name is great. You're a great God. And, Lord, as we worship you through giving now, I ask that you'll be honored and adored. And, and Lord, we're just so thankful for our church family for the way that they give, for the way that they serve, for the way that they care for one another and invest in each other. God, do great things in our church because you are God and you are so worthy. Lord, be honored as your people honor you now. In your name we pray.
We've been in a series on the book of Philemon. Philemon is a one-page book in the Bible. It was just a letter that was written from the Apostle Paul. He writes it to his good friend Philemon. And uh, as he gets into the, into the book of Philemon here, as you get into this letter, you see a lot of how-tos about how to develop productive relationships. And it's so easy for us to not connect with each other. It's so easy for us to just live life and, and relationships end up getting ruined, relationships getting uh, just, we, we, you know, we can easily forget relationships. And it's really sad because relationships are everything. At the end of your life, nobody really cares about how many toys that they've accumulated. You care about the people that you've invested in. And you care about your family. You care about your friends. And so as we learn to develop those friendships, as we learn to develop our marriage, develop your friends at work, your friends in uh, your business, all these relationships, as we learn to develop them, they are so important that we, uh, that we get some of God's wisdom in this because relationships are, are, are work. Would you say that with me? Relationships are work. Say that again. Relationships are work. Uh, it doesn't matter if you are single and looking or if you are married and trying to figure this thing out, okay? And relationships are work. Uh, if you have a friendship, it takes work. You don't keep a friendship up just because, well, we're friends. Uh, friends means that we work at this friendship, that we talk to each other, that there's communication. It is a two-way street. It's not a one-way. There has to be reciprocation. So as we look at this this morning, we're going to look at how to work on our relationships, and we'll give you four qualities of relationships uh, that, that are so vital. And you can take these qualities, and you can go home, and you can begin to practice them today. You can begin to implement them and start to build into your relationships. Uh, Philemon 1, verse 8, says this, Though I am bold, all right, he's, he had just given all this, uh, this background. He had just built Philemon up. Philemon, remember, they're 1,200 miles apart. The Apostle Paul was in jail in Rome. And over here is Philemon, 1,200 miles away in the town of Colossae. As he's in the town of Colossae, his, he has a problem with one of his, his servants. And his servant runs away. He's a runaway servant. And he, he flees all the way to Rome, 1,200 miles away. Paul ends up having a connection with him, brings him to Christ. And he's sending Onesimus. The, the, the servant's name was Onesimus. He ends up sending Onesimus back to Philemon. And so we're, we're, in the, we're in this letter here. He says, Though I am bold enough to, in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, my son Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. And so this morning, I want to I look at uh, a couple thoughts here on relationship. Because if Paul appeals to his friends on the basis of an ongoing relationship in which that, uh, that, that can continue to work and continue to grow. And, uh, and you may have heard this term out there. I, I've heard some of the business folks talk about it, but I want to apply it today to all of our relationships, and that is how to have the win-win relationships. In other words, in your relationships, let's think about, let's apply this to, to your family. In your family, 
there's the, there's the relationship that you have with your spouse. So you want to, you want to win. You want to receive something from the relationship and you want the other person to win because you want them to receive something from the relationship. It is reciprocation. So there has to be a win-win situation here. And as we come and we take, uh, live life to be win-win, I, I, I'm noticing that many times people do not live with that in mind in relationships. First of all, many people think that relationships are on autopilot, that your friendships, that the people in your life are on autopilot. And I want to tell you, nothing could be further from the truth. There is no autopilot on anything of value. So if you're going to do something of value, it's going to require some work. It's going to require some effort. So the Apostle Paul here, he's, he's coming alongside him, and I'm going to show you a few qualities here. But before we jump into that, I want you to think about relationships. Because many people do this. They live life like this. As long as I win, I'm happy even if you lose, okay? So, in other words, you could come along in a, uh, in a marriage relationship, and it would look like this in a marriage relationship. A husband and wife, he thinks he wins by being in control. He always has everybody walking on eggshells around the house. Um, you know, he, he, he's always barking out orders and controls, and uh, it's just a hyper-controlled environment because he is going to win uh, even if it requires you to lose. As a matter of fact, most of his win is when you lose. And so a controller environment like that, he, he doesn't understand that he wins when you win. Okay? One day, uh, many times, one day the wife gets up and just leaves and says, I've had enough of this. Uh, I've been losing all my life here, and this is hopeless, and it, it just gets terrible. A, a parent to child, if we try to manipulate the child, if a parent tries to come and manipulate the child, you will do what I say, and there's no other way. Um, and as a kid gets older, resentment begins to build. Then we have, then we have all these strained relationships. Uh, in the business world, uh, you know, sales uh, never gives a good deal. Maybe a salesman, he's, uh, you know, he's only winning if you lose. He makes a higher profit margin if you lose. But, but nothing could be further from the truth because if you win, even in business, if the customer wins, you win because the customer comes back again. If you, uh, if you are in a uh, relationship with your wife, remember that statement, happy wife is a happy... Oh, a couple of you have heard that out there, right? Happy wife is a happy life. You know what that says? That says that we both have to win. When my wife wins, I win. And whenever I win, she wins. And so you have to understand that. We want to have both victories on both sides of that. And then uh, the next one is the uh, what, what we'll call here the lose-lose relationship, okay? Uh, the the lose-lose relationship. This is the relationship that is just kind of complacent. Um, you know, the, these people are just kind of just kind of miserable. Um, no, there's no work that's happening into the relationship. As soon as good fortune uh, comes your way, he will cut you off. Uh, there's just uh, everybody's losing. There's, it's a lot of selfishness that comes in here, um, complacency. And, again, I think this is where many people just kind of they think the autopilot. This is where a lot of people on autopilot. Well, autopilot doesn't exist. If you are going to help your wife win, then she will help you win. If you're going to help your kids win, they will help you win. It, you, it's vital. So we need each other. And, and then, there's, uh, then there's this one. Uh, I'll call this the quitter, okay? He just quits. Uh, when bad times come to the relationship, they just say, well, I'm done. You know what? This, I've been hurt. Uh, it's over. And, and that's the way it is. And they just kind of quit. He takes his ball and he goes and plays somewhere else. Uh, that, that's a quitter. You've heard that before. Quitters never win, right? 
And so, uh, so when you're working with a quitter, you don't win. So, so to just give up. And honestly, many, you know, many people, somebody grabbed me after church and said, you know what? I live in the quit zone. It's just so easy because things were tough for me to just, to just quit, to just to throw in the towel. And, you know, I will say that that is the easiest thing to do is to throw in the towel. But it is not the most rewarding thing. The most rewarding thing is whenever we continue to go on and move forward. And then, uh, then, then there's the forfeit. And um, I don't even know how to spell forfeit, so I'm not going to write it down. But forfeit, okay? This is the guy who forfeits. In other words, all right, he doesn't show up, okay? He never shows up. Not show up. Okay? There you go. Because I'm not embarrassing myself to forfeit. Anyhow, he forfeits, and the guy never shows. You know, what? spell check is only as good as the guy typing it in. Just remember that, all right? So uh, he, he makes little effort to begin a relationship. He doesn't go out to, to put any effort to even try a relationship. This is where the, where the scripture says, if you are going to be, if you're going to have a friend, you must be a friend. So you have to go in, and you have to. You have to look for friendships. You have to look for ways. You know, people aren't going to naturally call you. You have to call somebody else. You have to get involved with people. You have to put yourself in places where, where you're interacting with people. And, and so, so these are all relationships that, that, you know, ways that most dysfunction of relationships work. Uh, many people are in this win-lose. You know, as long as, long as I'm in control, uh, I, I'm okay. But the moment you offend me... Man, as a matter of fact, they're not happy unless you are upset. Uh, some of these are people like the lose-lose. Uh, it's kind of the martyrdom syndrome. Uh, some of these people are not happy unless they're not happy. You ever heard that statement? You know, you're not happy unless you're not happy. Uh, some people live in some of these zones. I want to encourage you to, to let's come today and learn how to do the win-win. Let's, let's come and win at relationships. Let's win at the relationships in our life that God has given us. And as you look at biblical examples, you'll find out there was a win-lose relationship in the Bible, and that was Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus, he won in all the relationships because he made everybody else lose. And Zacchaeus went around town. He was a tax collector. He was overcharging people. He was robbing people. And so he was always winning, but at somebody else's expense, and he thought that he found happiness. However, one day, Jesus finds him and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. And he goes to Zacchaeus' house, and he began to learn how to develop more productive relationships. You see, God came into his life and helped him. He, first of all, he connected that relationship with God. We've been talking your source. You'll never have healthy relationships. You'll never be able to let somebody else win in a relationship unless you have won with Christ. And we won with Christ on the cross. He came to this earth. He died. He paid for your sin. So, therefore, it's okay. By the way, in relationships, whether it's a friendship, a business relationship, or a family relationship, relationships do not exist for you to be right. Most of the time, conflict comes in. And when these conflicts come into these relationships, people dig down and say, well, I'm right and you're wrong. Well, a relationship that's always centered about it, you being right will put you on an island. Listen, they're, 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 you are not always right. You are not always the healthy person in a relationship. And we have got to understand that even when somebody else has wronged us, there is forgiveness. 
This is the greatest quality of Christ. People will let you down. Your spouse will let you down. If it hasn't happened yet, it's on the way, folks. You will be let down by the people in your life. Your kids will let you down. Your, uh, your, your neighbors, the people in your life will let you down. So, so, you know, when Zacchaeus came along, Zacchaeus, God comes to Zacchaeus. He changes his life. And what does Zacchaeus do? He changes those relationships to win-win. He goes back and he restores all that and gives everything back. How about the woman of Sychar? Of Sychar, she possessed uh, she she possessed such a low self-esteem, uh, and she had self-damaged um, self-image, and she was in such a terrible lifestyle. She was giving herself to men, and she was being used, and she was in a in a in a lose lose relationship. Okay, actually, there's one in here that I should have put in here: the lose win. She was losing by all those other people winning. She would come, and, and, and as she would lose, she just saw that, you know, I'm no good. So she just gave herself to man after man after man. But yet when Jesus arrives on the scene, what does he do? Jesus comes on the scene, and, uh, and he tells her how to win-win. He, he helps her with that vertical relationship with God first. She went back to the very people with whom that she had played all the games of compromise and just looked. Lose, 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 and she was going down a downward spiral, and uh, and God came in and changed her life. She ended up once the vertical was fixed, then she could help with uh, with the horizontal relationships. Uh, the the lose, lose. How about the thief on the cross? He was the guy that just didn't put anything into anything, and just uh, you know everything's just kind of random and all these type of things. He lived a lived a criminal's thievery life. And on the cross, Jesus comes to him and says, today you can be in paradise because he turned to God and he got that relationship with God fixed. How about Jonah? Jonah was uh, in the Old Testament. You look and read about Jonah. He, uh, he just canceled. He quit. He forfeited. He didn't want to show up. Uh, he just said, you know, God had a plan for him. He wanted him to go, go reach the people of Nineveh. And he says, man, I just don't even like these people out here. And he just resigns and he quits. And so, so as you look at this, the good news here is that you can win in your relationships. This isn't something of self-help where you go out and say, I'm going to become better at this. This is something where the God of the universe came to the earth, died on the cross, paid for your sin, came back to life again so that you can have eternal life and so that he can bring life. When he said, I have come that you might have life, he came to bring life to your relationships. That's a part of the life that he brings. And so I want, I, want to, I want to encourage you to think about these. There are four qualities I'm going to give you today. The first one is to be sensitive, okay? Be sensitive. Uh, as we're going through the scripture this morning, I'm going to show you how Paul was sensitive. We live in a world where sensitivity is, is, is on a hyper extreme out there where you can't say anything, you know. You go and you turn on this channel and you turn on that channel and you'll see the opposing views and how each one doesn't like what anybody else is saying. I'm not talking about that type of hypersensitive. I'm talking about understanding, becoming a human being and understanding that you are involved with another human person that God created in his image. Look what uh, Philemon Philemon 1, 8 here. Paul says, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Paul was one bad dude. 
Before Paul became a follower of Jesus, he was, he was hating Christians. He was killing Christians. I mean, you go back and you read the history of this guy and you say, how could God ever use a person like that? Well, that's merely the power of God. You see, the power of God takes the person who's in lose-lose, who's in win-lose, who's in all these situations. And he says, I can transform your life to become a winner. And so as, as God did that for the apostle Paul, Paul was a, a, a pretty bold person. And look what he says here. He says, I, uh, though I am bold enough, I got it in me. I can tell you like it is. I can tell you what the right thing to do is, Paul. Uh, you know what? He could have been a drill sergeant. He says, I could tell you what to do. Uh, how, many, how many of you have ever responded well when somebody forces you to do something? Raise your hand. Okay, one person. Not too many people out there. You know, if your spouse comes to you and says, I demand, what do you do when your spouse says, I demand? You go, what? Okay. Why do we do that? It's amazing. You know, if somebody comes to you and says, this is the way it's going to be, how do you respond to that? You go, yeah, right. I'm going to show you how it's going to be. Okay. See, force does not work. The drill sergeant approach only works in the military. Okay. It just doesn't work in human natural relationships. And that's what happens. We, we think we're winning. And I think many times we do this out of good intentions. Well, he should do this. She should do that. And, and well, you know, it's the right thing to do. The apostle Paul says, listen, I could have come to you. I am just that bold by leaving. I could have told you like it is. I could require you. I could command you. I'm an apostle. You know, he doesn't say I'm an apostle. You better listen to me. You know, I saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he himself, he's the one who told me. No, he says, listen, I am bold enough. I could have come, and I could have commanded you. I could have told you what you ought to do, what is required. Yet, verse 9, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now prisoner of Jesus Christ. He says, listen, I appeal to you. I, I desire. He, he's using a word here. It's strongly urging. He's strongly coming. He says, I strongly urge you. I'm appealing to you. You see, when sensitivity becomes lost in our world of relationships, when it becomes lost, we have eyes only for our side of the issue. You see, sensitivity, I have to understand where you're coming from, not just where I'm coming from. And there's conflicts all over relationships. But if we can get into the conflict and start to understand not just my side, not just where I'm coming from, but understand where the other person is coming from. The Apostle Paul here, he was sensitive. He says, I'm appealing to you. Um, if, we, if we desire to have a long-term relationship, if we want to have long-term friends in our life, long-term family relationships, we've got to be a little bit of sensitive, and we have to start to understand the other person. Um, and, and so how, how can this be accomplished that we have great relationships? Number one, it is through being a sensitive person. You know, how many problems would be solved in your life? How many problems would be solved? Do you realize how many times that we lose, we lose? If this relationship no longer exists, we both lose. 
happy wife, happy life. I'm in control. Everything's perfect. I'm alone. I was talking to a fellow one time, and he was telling me about the, the problems of his marriage, and, and they were really, like, not problems. They were just life. They're life problems. You know, there's, you know, life problems. And this, this fellow was explaining to me his life problems, and I said, you know what? If I were you, I would just really relax because some of that stuff doesn't matter. How clean the house is, you know, this and that, things of that that just honestly don't matter. And one day he came back to me and he said, hey, she's gone. I said, what happened? And he told me this story about what he did. And what he did was he was winning, but he lost. She didn't even tell him. He came home. Everything was gone. She lost. She lost in the relationship. She was losing, losing, losing. She kept trying to make it go. He ended up losing. So they were both lost in the relationship. And so I always share this with people. How much are, what are the hills that we have to die on? There's not many hills to die on. And so what we have got to do in our relationships and our friendships is come, and my goal is to help the other person win. See, that's what the Apostle Paul was doing here. He was sensitive. He wanted to see Philemon win. He wanted to see Philemon and Onesimus restored. And so the first thing he did was he he was sensitive. The next thing is I want you to submit one to another. Uh, This is a huge quality when we learn how to submit to, to each other. A relationship that is one way is not a relationship. We have to submit to each other. Uh, the scripture talks about over in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says that we are to submit to one another in love. You see, that means that there are times that I surrender. And uh, when, we, when we learn to do that, winners in the game of interpersonal relationships actually become submissive. Um, you know, there, there's times that we just think that, you know what, I'm going to have my way. And as long as I have my way, everything's wonderful and everything's happy. Uh, but, but we have to be submissive. We have to submit. We have to be sensitive. You know, as I'm, as I'm going through this, I'm reminded years ago when we were newlyweds, we had a place. We lived down in Manesson, and we traveled. You know, it was 25 minutes, 30 minutes down to here every, every day as I was a youth pastor and coming back on Sunday. And I remember one day after church, I was heading home, and I said, Honey, what would you like for lunch? And she said, Well, I don't know. And I said, well, here, there's three places, Sheets, <laughs> you know, good hot dog at Sheets, Eaton Park, you pick. And she goes, I don't know. So you know what I did? We drove all the way home. We didn't get anything to eat. And we got home, and I'll never forget. I looked at her. She goes, why are you so mean? I said, wait a minute, honey. I asked you, what would you like? And you said, I don't know. She goes, I didn't say I don't want nothing. You see what was happening? I was pulling rank. I was showing who was the boss. You know what? I spent a great night on the couch, all alone. But I want you to know, listen, as you do that, you hurt your relationship. Submit one to another. As we learn to submit one to another, we have to learn how to love. Love is a verb. It is an absolute verb. Would you say that with me? Love is a verb. And and you know what? I'll never forget that because... Whenever, whenever we were dating again, and uh, you know, I, it took me forever to say I love you to my wife. I was just like, you know, before I, I wasn't going to just say that to anybody. I had never told anybody outside of my family that I loved them. And I was like, you know what? I've been dating this girl a while now. I probably should say this soon, you know. 
And I'm like, I love, you know, you just, just get that, you know, like the fawns. You just couldn't bring it out and say it, right? I love you. But one day, I'll never forget, I was reading this book. And as I was reading this book, it, it said in there, the definition of love was actually action. It was that you made a decision to love that person, to take care of them. It was not a feeling. So I'll never forget, I told my wife, I said, hey, I've been reading this book. I was studying it, how to help teenagers in relationships. I said, according to this definition, I love you. She was like, well, that was uneventful, huh? You know, just very matter of fact, all logic. I have decided to love you. And she was like, well, thank you, you know. But but listen, I'll never forget. I was like, I love you. And listen, I have loved this woman for 26 plus years. And it's like, man, I've given my life to that woman. Why? Because I have decided that I'm going to love her. I have decided that I am going to make her a winner in our relationship. Because happy wife is happy life. And when she's happy, I'm happy. And she has decided to love me in that same way. Whenever she loves me that way, I'm a winner. And so she has loved me to make me the winner. She makes me the person that I am today. Um, and, And so love is a verb. I heard this definition one time of love. It said this, that love is tolerating all the, all the pain of relationships. Love is tolerating the pain of relationships. Do you know how much pain we cause each other? We cause each other pain every day of our life. That's what a relationship is all about. It's a two-way street. I want you to think about God's love for us. Look at the pain that the Father went through when the Son, Jesus, came to the earth. I want you to think about Jesus leaving all the portals of heaven. He's God. He made this very earth. He leaves all of heaven and becomes a man. He becomes subject to being a human. And that love is deep. That was a verb. He lives a perfect life in a fallen world. He goes to the cross and they take our sin. Our sin is laid upon Jesus Christ. He dies a criminal's death on the cross. He's buried and three days later, he rises again. Now, I want you to think of the pain that, the, that God went through for a relationship with you. And then I want you to think of the pain that you're willing to go through for him. Well, we had a family here today. We, 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 we act like, wow, they're going across the world to Indonesia. They're saying, that's nothing. Jesus died on the cross for me. I can go anywhere and tell somebody about Jesus. It, they're not counting the cost. Why? Because they love God. In our relationship with God, I encourage you to get up and read God's Word. And you say, but I can't get up in the morning. That's the pain of relationship. Uh, when I love God, I get up and I give Him that time. Uh, we, we, give, we give of our time, our talents. When we, we, we give to Jesus, when we pass the offering plate, oh, it's painful, God, I don't know. And we give this to God. Listen, when we give that to Him, it's awesome. It's because I trust Him, because I love Him. And so as we do these things, there, a relationship has pain. And so what the easiest thing to do is whenever the going gets tough, we quit. And so I want to encourage you with your relationship with God. He's already come. He's already won. And He's made you the winner. I want you to reciprocate with Him. That's why we always sing. We're here to make his name great. We're here to lift him up and make him high. Uh, that's what he's done. Uh, be supportive in, a, in your relationships. Be supportive. Look here in verse 10. He says, I appeal to you for my child, my son Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. 
of what he's saying here. I'm an old man. When I was in prison, I'm, uh, as I'm in prison, I met up with this Onesimus. I met up with your slave, with your servant, and I gave him the gospel. Quite often, Paul will call these new converts his sons. And so he calls them as a child. And so he's, the word he's using here, it sends this word child back to Philemon. And Philemon is taking this in. He's saying, a child is fragile. His faith is new. Care for him like a child. Onesimus. You know, imagine Philemon reading this. And Philemon's saying, wait a minute. I like this letter up until this point. You told me about how great I am. You, you, you gave me this compliment, told me that I'm refreshing you as I've refreshed the saints. And, and now you're going to bring up Onesimus. And, and immediately his mind's going, that scoundrel. Well, that guy, he stole from me. Uh, how, what? This can't be. How did Onesimus and Paul get together? I just can't believe it. And, uh, and you see what's happening here? A broken relationship is about to be mended by the catalyst. Paul being the catalyst. Paul was the third party. How many times have you seen a conflict between two people get complicated by a third party? Most of the times, a third party will come in and make the situation worse. Makes it ugly. They, they begin to make teams and fights and all kinds of things. Apostle Paul was not that way. The Apostle Paul says, Onesimus, Philemon, you guys have an issue. I want you to work this out. And I'm not commanding you, but I know I'm appealing to your godliness. He says, I appeal, verse 10, I appeal to you from my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. And you know what the Apostle Paul's doing here? He's doing a play on words. Onesimus means useful. That's what his name means. So he says, formerly useful, uh, Onesimus useful. He became useless to you. But now I want you to know that he's useful to both of us, to me and to you. He's helped me in, in, in the prison here. He has done, he's helping to further the gospel. And then the last thing we see this morning is to, is to use wisdom. Use wisdom in your relationships. You know, if we're going to have relationships that win and win and, and they're healthy in your business, in your church, or in your family, or in your community. If we're going to do win-win relationships, we've got to use wisdom. We have to be sensible. Use common sense. Be respectful of the other person. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul says, formerly he was useful to you, but now. I love that in verse 11. Formerly he was useless to you, but now. You see, that's the gospel. That's where the, the gospel of Jesus comes in. Life is hopeless, but now. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So the Apostle Paul comes here and he says, Formerly he was useless to you. You, you, hadn't, you didn't want anything to do with him, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Uh, he wasn't denying that there was a problem. He admitted that there was a problem. And so the Apostle Paul on the outside is saying, Listen, I've got to get you two together. There was a problem, but now listen, he's come to Jesus He's following Christ, and I want you two to work this out. Verse 12, he says, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent or in order that, you, uh, without your consent in order that your goodness may not be compulsion, but of your own accord. 
He says, I'm not wanting this to be by force, by me compulsing you, by me putting pressure on you. I want you to do this from your own heart, Philemon. For this perhaps is why he was parted away from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. Did you ever look at a relationship that was broken and see that God could restore? The Apostle Paul says, listen, maybe this is why this whole incident happened in the first place, so that God could bring him to the family of God, so that maybe he stole from you, so that he could be sent away and I could tell him the gospel, and now he's here, he's coming back, and you are going to have him forever. This will be a long-term relationship. No longer, not any longer as a bond servant, but more than just a bond servant. Yeah, he's going to come back, he's going to work for you. Not just as a servant, but as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So I ask you this morning, as you're looking between Philemon and Onesimus, this conflict, does Philemon win? Yeah. He wins. He gets Onesimus back. Onesimus comes back. He becomes profitable. He becomes useful to him again. And he gets, he gets him back with a repentant heart, with a, rest, a spirit of restitution. You know what? Reconciliation is the ministry. This is what Jesus did for us. He reconciled us. He didn't just say, you're forgiven. He said, you're forgiven, and now you're my friend. Wow. That's what God's called us to do, to restore. In your relationships, as they break, we go to the ministry of reconciliation. Does Onesimus win? Yeah, he comes home. And, uh, and he returns, and, and as Paul says, not, uh, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd like to ask you to think about the, your relationship with God, number one. Have you put yourself into the relationship with God? He has come that you might have life. He has come that you may win. He didn't come to just condemn. He came to ransom your soul so you might have eternal life. And I'd like to invite you to trust him this morning. If that's you, you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Ken, I've not opened my heart to Jesus. Would you pray to him right now and open your heart? Just tell him something like this. Dear dear God, I come before you and I've offended the holy God. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. You've sent Jesus to come to this earth. He died on the cross. He paid for my sin. God, I want to trust you with my life right now. For others in this room, maybe you've been in some relationships where you have to be right not going to budge till the other person surrenders and maybe God wants to do a work in your heart first. Maybe God has allowed situations in your life because he wants to change you. You surrender him this morning. Maybe you've been in the lose-lose. Maybe you've been in the win-lose or you've been in the the lose-win. Would you surrender to him those relationships this morning and ask God for his strength to help you become sensitive to other people, to help you submit to one another in love, to become supportive 
and to use wisdom in your relationships. God, be with your people as we seek, Lord, to honor you with our life. As we seek to transform a community in this, in this town, Lord, they need you and they will never find it by us being right all the time. They'll find it by us being honest, by loving, forgiving. God, we ask you to, number one, work in our families, work in our places of business, work in our community, and Lord, work mightily in this church. Help us to love as Jesus loved. response to what we've heard this morning. Come on, sing. And I 